Welcome to my gay playlist and stories from outside the closet. My name is Liv Lombardi and I am your host. This is a podcast about coming out and the music that inspires our journeys. To me, coming out is an act of honesty. It's something that we do every day when we decide to live our lives as authentically as possible. I think you can be on any part of the LGBTQ spectrum and come out. You could be straight and come out. As long as at some point in your life you decide you want to live authentically and that goes against the grain. Where are my dreamers at? Where are my freaks and geeks and weirdos and losers and nerds? If you were ever told you don't have a place here, I'm saying this table is set for you. So take a seat and tell me about it. And we'll start with this. What are your stories and what are your songs? If you want to follow along and listen to each guest's particular gay playlist as you stream our episodes, head over to mygayplaylist.com. There you'll find each episode's corresponding song list. Until then, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I woke today with a tired high after chasing thoughts that raced away all night. My heart feels heavy, I'm asking why, why am I so goddamn tired? Just been sleeping through the night. Hey everyone, welcome to My Gay Playlist. I'm very excited for this week's episode. As usual, my name is Liv Lombardi. I am your host on uh, this podcast. We talk about music coming out and all of the wonder in between. It's always been my belief that coming out is is an act of honesty, an act of bravery, and something that we do every day. Not just queer people, not just gay people, not just trans people, but anyone who wants to live their life with honesty and do it unapologetically, I believe they've come out in some regard. So that's what we're going to be talking about through the lens of music and creative people's life stories. On this week's episode, I have Rosanna Caban, a very, it seems to me, prolific. I don't know if you would use that word to describe yourself, but you've done a lot. You're a percussionist, a multi-instrumentalist, a sound engineer, sound worker, musician um do you want to did i miss anything no i always feel weird like what do i do i always it's such a complicated thing because i'm like i don't know sometimes i get paid to do this and sometimes i get paid to do that and it's i think i have like an issue with um it's not attention it's like i follow through it's just like i get bored easily maybe i don't know but yes sound engineer i have a, a recording studio that i share with some folks and um, I'm assist- assisting other engineers on their records all the time. And I podcast edit and that's just like paying my rent. But then there's like this whole other fun music making side and um, art making side of, of things I've been working on over the past couple of years. Cool. So I would say pretty definitive, prolific. You're doing a lot of stuff and it's all different and all very cool. That word is, it's like, I don't know why it's intimidating. Like It is. It's an, it's an intimidating word. I think we should normalize <laughs> the use of prolific. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, do I understand the definition of prolific? Look it up. What does it yeah, mean? I'm looking up. It says prolific of a plant, animal, or person producing much fruit or foliage or many offspring or present in large numbers or quantities. Plentiful. That's not right. Did I spell it wrong? Yeah. No, prolific. that sounds about right okay. to me. Yeah. So I produce a lot of fruit. Yeah. Like that. The fruits of your labors. Exactly. Very good.
before I put this off any longer, love your playlist. Thank you. <laughs> so the first question that's kind of like at the tip of my tongue here is, is this a chronological playlist that sort of chronologically tells the story of your experiences in your life? Oh my God, I don't think I intentionally did that, but I think it is as I'm looking at this. It's absolutely. Does it? Did I hit oh the nail God. on the head with that? It is chronological. <laughs> I mean, I guess I start with like, yeah, no, it's chronological. Well, it's so. great because, you know, I've, I've been getting a lot of these playlists now and they're all so different and they're all, they have all have such different vibes. I mean, as they would from person to person. Um, but what I really liked about yours is like, it's a very narrative a flow of the songs. Your playlist, I mean, it starts with Bjork, All is Full of Love, and then it goes into, we have Pedro the Lion, uh, Bad Diary Days, Coldplay, Easy to Please, Vertical Horizon. Like, <laughs> can we, we're going to spend some time talking about that because okay. I scratch. I had that album and I scratched the crap out of it when I was, what, like 12 or something? I love that <laughs> album. Um, and there's Atlantis, We Have No Doubt, um, Sweet Fionn Stevens. I mean, it's, it's a great playlist. But I couldn't help but think while I was listening to it that it, it, if the person who made it, which is you, is the narrator, right? And like you were telling a story of maybe your experiences, it kind of flows in this very narrative sense through the words and everything. Um, yeah, it is maybe chronological. I'm curious to know. I'm curious to know like why you pick certain songs and stuff. But let's start with Bjork. Sweet. First song on the playlist. I think I first heard this song when I was in college. I was like hanging out with my friend Daniel, who I've made a ton of music with over the last like 10 years. And we we're probably doing something collegiate, like hanging in a dorm room and just listening to music on his bed. And he played me Bjork. I'd never heard Bjork before. And I remember listening to this and thinking like, <laughs> what are all these pockets of existence? I have not yes, yet like touched mm -hmm. on. And that, it, it, that sort of, perspective always rings true when I hear this song. Um, and I love how it has like this big vision sort of feeling like all encompassing. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought it was interesting that you started with that. Uh, cause from there, the songs kind of go in, like maybe you're starting from the outside and going in with this playlist. So, totally. um, yeah, let's, let's talk about it. What, okay. why Bjork? Why, why was that the first one on there? I, I heard that song for the first time. I mean, I, I remember the music video because I loved MTV and I would have like a VHS where I, instead of recording like songs from the radio, I record music videos and then like watch it back after school. But I remember that music video because it was two robots like making out. And I think they were female robots or like they looked like they had female identifying body parts. And I was like, oh my God, it's the first queer looking thing I've ever seen. But but I didn't, it didn't really stick with me for whatever reason. And then I turned 17 and I went to like on a trip with my parents. And I went to the Virgin Megastore for the first time, like a giant record store um, in South Florida or in Orlando, I guess. And they had all these displays with music. And I spent like an hour and a half going from like kiosk to kiosk, listening to different things. Those are the days. Dude, I know. I'm so sad that we you don't can't... have those days anymore. You the find dedication like... you had to give to something. You couldn't yeah. just like double click and then you know skip it. You had to like sit there and it's like, well, I already put on the headphones. Let me just check out a track or two, you know. But I went to the Bjork. There was like a you know the, the artwork for the greatest hits or whatever mm -hmm. it was up until that point. Um, I thought it was super dark and weird, and I went up to it and listened to this is the first song on that you know greatest hits compilation 
And it just was like, just blew my mind. As far as everything you're saying, it's such a full arrangement. And I was always into music. I was always a musician because my dad was a musician. So I was always like playing with things in my house. But that made me completely think of music beyond what I had been hearing like on the radio or what I was seeing on MTV. It was like, holy shit, this is so much more, um, I don't know, I guess queer <laughs> than everything else that was yeah. out. And also like at that age, you're questioning your taste constantly. And I heard this record and I was like, this is my taste. I can stand behind this and I don't care what anyone says. I don't care if they say it's weird. This is good. And it, and I, it just resonated with me. So it was like very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Affirming for you? Yeah. Like, that, like young, where were you, 13? What were you, a teenager? Was, I was actually older. I was 17, I think. Okay, 16, word. 16 or 17. Yeah, that's definitely the time of like, who am I and I need to prove it somehow. I think like the teenage mindset, especially yeah. if you're a baby queer that's not really sure if you are, what that means, or comfortable talking about it yet, maybe. Yeah, no, I wasn't insecure about liking it. Because then that was like the first definitive, like, I don't care if anyone else doesn't like, I don't need other people to like it or reaffirm me. I know this is good. This is definitely what I like. So I don't know. That was, that, that was the first taste defying music moment for me, but also like, yeah, queer defying that I didn't care. For sure. I I'm so you said your dad was a musician. You grew, you probably grew up in a musical house. Is he a percussionist as well? And like, did you start with percussion? Was that like always sort of your jam was to play, playing the drums? I actually, my dad was a piano player, like a keyboard player. Oh, and when right. I was like really young, he was like a wedding singer, basically. Like he nice. would play in hotels like, around Puerto Rico. And that was basically my dad's career up until we moved. And then he was working for Yamaha, like selling products and stuff like that um keyboards and whatnot so he was always like the anti-salsa puerto rican like he loved like van halen and stuff so i never got into like really now i am because i really appreciate it but i i didn't have like a, a cultural musical upbringing it was more like con- like contemporary pop all the time like van halen jump was like my thing i'd always be like can you play it again can you play it again right on so yeah that was my dad with Boston. He oh, God. Loved, he loved Boston, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I grew up with the same. Oh, love Boston. I was just going to say drums only happen because I wanted to play guitar because I would, like, fantasize about being, like, playing a shredding, like, a Boston or Van Halen style solo all the time, like, when I was a little kid. But then my brother got a drum set and didn't really play it. So my dad was like, just play that because he didn't want to have to buy a guitar. So then I just got attached to it and that was it. That's awesome. I love that. I'm curious too, because you had said, um, talking about the Bjork song, like that was your genre. You were like, this is, this is my style. Is that what you just said? Something like this was my... Kind of, not, not necessarily my style, but it was like the first time I didn't care that it was weird. I wasn't embarrassed to like it. Does that make sense? Like you're so, I was definitely insecure. Like all my friends were like really like very hetero, you know, pretty, like blonde haired skinny girls and I was like the kind of weirdo because I I didn't really fit into that at all and I went to like a Catholic high school I wasn't Catholic there were just so many things that made me a little bit like different than everybody else and that was the one thing where I was like I don't give a shit if my friends don't like this I like it a lot like they can listen to Mandy Moore all they want nothing wrong with it but like I'm gonna listen to Bjork thanks yeah, I was curious because um, listening to some of the stuff that you've done in the past, like your work with Psychic Twin, uh, are you still in Psychic Twin, by the way? Or you're just I am, no, my bandmate moved away and took it kind of with her and 
you know, wish her luck, but I am not in it anymore. Yeah. Cause I, I, I love that stuff. I love that stuff. And this, and the earlier, I'm assuming what you were writing, um, with what's her name, Aaron. Yeah. Aaron fine Mm -hmm. was, was very, uh, I mean, very synth heavy, very electronic, but not in a, uh, annoying way that I sometimes find electronic music to be. Yeah, not like in a dead mouse way. <laughs> yeah, it was very like melodic and it made sense to me that like if that was the starting point in some ways for you to be like sharing on a bigger scale your your music and what you're making, like then Bjork would be the starting point for this gay playlist, if that makes sense. Totally, totally. That does make sense. I, I'm I'm kind of made the playlist without... I tried so hard not to overthink it because I used to make mixtape and stuff for like people that sure. I wanted to like say something to without saying it. So I was like, Why I'm not do doing it? that. I'm not doing that right now. And it's funny. Cause like, as I'm looking at it right now, I can see like, you know, even things you're saying, I'm like, Oh man, I did. There are subconscious purposes to all of these. That is my hope that like when I have someone new on the show, they'll just make it because it feels right. And then as my job, as the person who's talking to you about it is to like (laughs) overthink the crap out of it so I can get the juicy little, you know, nuanced things in between. My Gay Playlist and Stories from Outside the Closet is a podcast that runs on music. And we hope to not just be a platform to talk about music, but also to share the work of emerging singer-songwriters and musicians from all around the world. If you have something special that you'd like to share with us, please shoot us an email at mygayplaylist at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you're interested in hearing the playlist that Rosanna created for this episode, head over to mygayplaylist.com and you can find every episode's corresponding song list in our playlist tab. So moving forward with this, we have Pedro the Lion, there's like Bad Diary Days, and then, I mean, just the song titles as we Mm -hmm. go down the list. Bad Diary Days, Easy to Please, Everything You Want, Vertical Horizon, one of my (laughs) faves. And then it gets like into, I feel like it kind of turns a corner after the fourth song. And then it goes to Surrendering by Alanis Morissette, Simple Kind of Life, No Doubt. And just because of what's come before it, the what is this one two three four five the seventh song wedding bells by lissy it just broke my heart to be there after all these other ones so i gotta ask dude like what 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 story is in there and where where were you going where have you been you know it's almost like i was listening thinking she's looking back on something maybe that has already been and sort of feeling the weight of a decision made or something like that. That's kind of what I inferred from it. Maybe I'm just throwing a lot of stuff on your experience. It's not true. No, I, I would say you're quite perceptive. I Am I? You are a playlist detective. You should yes. put that on your resume. Playlist yes. detective. Okay. That's some good copy. I'm keeping that. Playlist detective. <laughs> but I think, um, well, the first, like those first six songs were basically like bad diary days was a friend that I made who um, would make me, playlists like cassettes and cds or whatever and she introduced me to a whole bunch of bands that i hadn't really listened to before because she was just way cooler than i was and and it's one of these people that like i don't know if you've had this where you think back 
when you were like a lot younger and you're like, holy shit, that person was totally gay too. And they were totally hitting on me, but I didn't, in my wildest dreams, I like couldn't let myself go there. So I had to put that song in there because she introduced me to Bad Diary Days. And then Easy to Please is like- All of my high school, you've just described, high school (laughs) and early college and into my 20, pretty much like until I met like my now wife. Like I thought that was like about everyone that I have like- that's so maybe funny. had an interest in yes you've just described a large portion of the queer experience i believe totally totally yeah. we all have that where we go back and we're like oh my god i'm so dumb oh my god but- that like gorgeous babe that i chatted with all night <laughs> at that one like party was probably really into me because now what what, what was i thinking wow yeah. you're an it's, idiot Liv. it's yeah. crazy mm-hmm. it's crazy once you go back yeah um but yeah those then there were a couple songs i had a high school girlfriend um when I was basically like for almost the entirety of senior year and then we tried to stay together during my freshman year of college and she kind of got me more into Alanis Morissette um and that's why Surrendering's in there um but like that whole everything you want track I mean the reveal of that song is like the whole time you're like she's everything or whatever he's everything you want and then he's like I am everything you, you know and you're like I am everything she can want but they are gay and they don't yes. they want men you know so that song I, I feel like that's such like a gay song but I digress um so, so I have a question just to to stop yeah. you before you go on were were you out to a certain extent um like in your in your how old are you if you don't mind me asking i'm 34 okay so in your younger life i'm you're still young in your like late teen college you know early 20s life were you out were you just like totally cool with it was it the type of thing where you were didn't really come out you're just like i'm dating a girl because that's what i like and i don't need to talk about it exactly i was very much like i'm dating you know she's my friend she's my best friend and it just so happens that i'm attracted to her and that doesn't mean anything it doesn't mean that that doesn't mean anything. I don't, I'm not, I don't know. I don't need to put a label on it. But like, also I was very insecure. you made out totally. with your friend who you were attracted to. Yes. But you so, were gay necessarily. No, we, no, it was, I didn't know what was happening. I think I thought I was just bi. Okay. Because I wasn't really sure. And, and kind of to this day, I'm like a little, I struggle with like, um, kind of the very structured, uh, like labeling system that we have within the queer community like it's just it doesn't it helps and it doesn't help sometimes and for me as a young person I felt very confused about what I was and like whether I needed to acknowledge it or even call it anything so I was out within like my immediate friend circle that knew Mm -hmm. that we were dating but like I said I was a Catholic high school so many people were like very very conservative like I have a lot of close friends that don't know that I was dating our mutual friend Okay. But in college, I had same, like maybe one or two people that I confided in that like, yeah, I'm kind of in this long distance relationship or whatever. But then I started dating men because it was like 90% male. The school was Berkeley. Okay. So it was just Berkeley College of Music. Mm -hmm. That's right. Sausage Fest. Yeah, I I would imagine that Berkeley and I hope it has changed a bit um, because they seem to be they seem to be pushing the envelope and really have stayed hip to the fact that like, yeah, more women need to be in music. But I can imagine maybe what, like 10, 15 years ago, it was pretty heavy sausage fest, um, bro, bro fest, like the music industry uh, is in a lot of ways. Um, So was it? It was it out of just sort of like uh what's the word convenience that you started dating men or just like didn't want to deal with it kind of I'm just gonna be 
yeah, s- I stay honestly, in this lane and I honestly thought that like no man would want me because I was like so I did not picture myself in the heteronormative role of like a wife in any way. And okay. I felt like my whole high school, like everything, I was like, there's no way. I mean all of my guy friends would have crushes on everyone around me, but me, like they'd go out with my cousin. They would date like, you know, everyone, but me. So I was like, Oh, no man wants me. And then when I kind of got in a position where I was like, Oh, I'm pretty sure he's hitting on me. I was like, I guess I should try it and see what that's like, you know, but it was, I know exactly yeah. what that's like. I never actually went any <laughs> further than that. I would be like, that was weird. He's kind of talking to me like flirty. Like that doesn't make sense. I was just like too gay to even, Oh no, I know. You didn't think about to it. Make it weirder. This so this wedding bells track. I that track I heard it and it kind of it made me really sad because I it's it's a cover of a Johnny Cash song, but um I got married to a man from college. Oh, okay. Yeah. And okay, my plot twist. Yeah, plot twist. I mean, this hey, is plot twist. I hope I'm delivering right now, but you are delivering times a thousand. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but yes, I, okay. I just want to say that that is so affirming because I was listening to it like, yo, either she, either she was married and is not anymore, or she wanted to be married and it was the one that got away. Yeah, it was it was kind of a twist of all of that, but I guess I had never really the the whole high school girlfriend dating experience. I had a long it took me a long time to get past like my immaturity then our immaturity mutually like how we were treating each other and um for sure I, like any any young relationship Totally. I mean, exactly. And then like you add to it the um kind of layers of like her dad yelling at me because he f- had like a bunch of bills with my name, like my phone number on them, wondering why she was calling me so much. Like all this, like, like hiding, add all of that like drama to it. And it just was like, just epically difficult for me at the time. And probably and traumatizing to a certain extent. It definitely was. Like definitely as a young was. person trying to figure out like how you want to be and who you are to have like an older, someone of the older generation who is, like inextricably linked to up the person that you care about at the time, like being very uh, aggressive. I can only imagine that's, oh, I think that's traumatizing awful. to the psyche. Like, so maybe I'm just straight up wrong for feeling this way for, yeah. for loving her or whatever. Totally. You know? It was also like, I was just like shaking for like an hour after the phone call. And I was with a friend, a guy who heard, he was like, what are you, what are you, who's talking to you right now? And he took the phone out of my hand and was like, sir, like, stop, do not call this phone number again. Do not like, he, he didn't even know that I was dating my friend. <laughs> he wow. like set up for me, but it was that kind of just that guy trauma. Rocks. I know he's yeah. awesome. I love him. But, um, anyway, so I got married, but I kept thinking I was having these like recurring dreams always of my ex. And I was like, does that mean something? Does that mean of something? your ex? The, the, the one high school girlfriend. Were... Okay. Yeah. And I don't think, I think what it meant was like this piled up guilt and this piled up um, questioning of like the decision I, I was making that like, I knew there was only a certain amount of intimacy I could ever reach with the guy that I married. And, but I was friends with him and I thought like, this is what people do. They, they date long time. They don't have any issues and they get married. Like it's fine. And I just didn't understand that. 
I didn't need to do that. I could take my time. I could um, tell my mom and dad that like, no, I don't need to get married. And like, it's, I don't know. I just, I felt a lot of pressure from everyone around me and music was not a thing. I had gotten out of school and nothing was going right for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that I thought that it was okay because this relationship was like safe and secure. So that song for me was like, maybe what I felt for myself, uh, what I felt, what I thought maybe my ex might've thought, what I would think if my ex got married, like it was just, I heard that song and it made me super sad. And then the song immediately after it, You and Me was my wedding song. So, yeah. And, and that is Penny and the, Penny and the... Quarters. Penny it's and like the Quarters, a, yes. Okay. That, that is a dope song that I heard about because I watched Blue Valentine. And when there was like an interview with Ryan Gosling and he said that he like curated a lot of the soundtrack and that song, he heard it at an estate sale of like a business, a record store or something that closed in Detroit. And he found like original tapes or masters of this recording that never saw the light of day. Wow. And it ended up getting released because he insisted that it be included in the movie. And something about that story, I was like, you know, that's just so romantic. Like that, that could have never been heard by anyone. And it's like this beautiful song. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. So I, I'm, so I'm curious, um, there's this line in, in wedding bells. I'm going to go back to this just cause mm -hmm. it was, it felt like sort of the, the fulcrum that the crux of the, uh, of the story here that you're weaving wedding bells are ringing in the chapel. I hear the children laughing out with glee at home alone. I hang my head in sorrow. Wedding bells will never ring for me. Right. So that's like the second to last chorus. And then the last chorus wedding bells are ringing in the chapel ever since the day you set me free i knew someday you would wed another but wedding bells will never ring for me it was interesting to hear that story and kind of have the context i wonder like does that did you feel that once you you're not married anymore no, no. once you left i'm and i'm assuming that you left like i i we don't need to go into detail of how your marriage ended if you don't <laughs> want to um but did you have that freeing feeling? Um, yeah, I don't know if you'd want to talk about that, but I'm, yeah, I'm no, really totally. interested. I do only because I feel like I didn't have a lot of, um, like if anyone hears this and it resonates with them or they're like, oh, wow, that's interesting or they can apply it to their life in any way. Great. Good. You know, good for you because I've fucked up a lot and hopefully it helps somebody. <laughs> but um, I, uh, I guess I just thought truly that like, I was saying goodbye to the idea I had of like a future with a woman, you know, a future relationship that I when you got married to a man, I was like, mm, goodbye to that, okay. I think. And, and I think I was, I didn't realize how sad I was to get married. Like I didn't, I had no, wow. I didn't realize, you know, what, what was, what I was feeling about it. And my ex-husband, Oh my God, it's such a weird thing to say. Um, he's a great human and um, he understood kind of, I mean, I, I told him like in not so many words, like it's, it's about you and it's also not about you. Like it's, um, I, I don't think I was ready to do this. I mean, I was young, I was 26 when we got married. So okay. I was like, I think I just need some time to figure out, you know, this isn't, I'm not happy. I'm like really deeply unhappy. And he saw that and he knew that. And I think he just was like, I want to support you to find whatever that is for you. And like within a year, he got remarried to somebody, which is okay. very interesting, but you know, it's good. I'm glad. 
In a way, yeah. I feel like, you know, if he would have stayed for like a decade single and lonely and had struggles like finding a person, I think it would have been a lot harder for Mm -hmm. me. But like, I feel like he doesn't hold any resentment towards me and I don't have any towards him. and, And it's nice. Well, that's freaking awesome. I know it's rare. There are some some good men out there, I think. Well, I think that's that's beautiful in its sad, heartbreaking way, which I'm sure it was at the time. Totally. A little bit of reckoning, a lot of bit of reckoning, and fun that no doubt sort of has this uh, influence here because there's all these lines about being a wife. I could mm-hmm. have been a wife. I love the line at the end of that song. Now uh, she talks, Gwen, and she's singing, talking about wanting a simple kind of life. I uh, always thought I'd be a mom. It seemed like you'd be a good dad. And then at the last little stanza of the song says, now all those simple things are simply too complicated for my life. How would I get so faithful to my freedom? Which I never, I've heard the song so much, never really like paid attention to the lyrics. Um, and I love that idea of being faithful to your freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it puts into words something that I've sort of very uh, intensely gone after since I was, you know, on my own in the world, so to speak. I really like that. I'm so glad you pointed that out. I didn't, I didn't remember that lyric. And yeah, I totally, it, it would make sense if that song was like after all of the other ones. Cause it's like, I did say goodbye to, um, you know, to being a wife and to the prospect of having biological children with my partner and all that. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's cool. Do you think that being, it's like being faithful. I'm curious how, if we were to take that lyric, right. And like put mm-hmm. it into your life, not just your experience uh, being out as a music maker, like, are there things that give that keep that faith in your freedom or that keep you going toward whatever it is that makes you feel free, whether it's playing or sound yep. art, you've, you'd mentioned to me, you're getting more sort of into that uh, lane of, of a sonic experience of like creating sound art and stuff like that. God, yes. I think that is absolutely something that resonates with not just how I live um, with like intimacy and relationships, but yeah, I guess so. It's um, part of what, um, a big part of that relationship, the the marriage, I guess I should say, was that I worked in pharmaceutical sales within a company that um, my then husband's father was like the vice president of. Oh, wow. So I was like very in the family. Yeah, I was like working in the family business. And um, I kind of like for stability, I like left trying to freelance and trying to do music. And I honestly, I did not come out of Berkeley with skills in production and and engineering. I learned them after. So at that time that I was like, I'm going to try to produce and stuff, I really was starting out. I mean, I... I I know what I know now from being self-taught, but like at that time I was like, I can't do this. I'm not going to make money doing this anytime soon. And I like abandoned the idea and told myself I'd learn and eventually go back to it. And thank God I did. But um, yeah, I think, I guess I I ended up being faithful to my freedom uh, creatively. What's up? Gay Playlist fam, thank you so much for listening to our episode today. As always, just a reminder, if you like what you hear and you want to listen to Rosanna's playlist as we chat about the songs, head over to mygayplaylist.com. You're going to be able to find every episode's corresponding song list there. All right, now 
back to the tunes and the stories and all the yummy feelings. Mm. Back to your playlist. We're about halfway through, pending the hoarders, kind of halfway through a bit of the turning point because that maybe was your wedding song. Um, and then it goes on to Sufjan Stevens' Futile Devices. Any Sufjan Stevens song I feel is for like the most tender emo place in my heart. Um, so what's what's this one doing on here? Where was where did this one come from? That that's like one of his more like I mean I can't even say that I was gonna say one of his more tender soft songs, but they are all like that. I think that he's describing in this song this like intimacy he has with somebody and how much he just loves like watching them be in his space. Mm. And I realized like I don't feel that right now. You know, I don't feel that in my relationship and. I just really wanted it. And that song kind of made me think like there, there's more, like I could feel like this. I could, I could have that level of like um, desire for someone and I don't have to just keep doing this to myself or frankly to him, you know, he should have someone that like is adoring him constantly. And I him just being your ex-husband. Totally. Like, yeah. you know, it's a two way street. It's like, I needed to really, if I, how do I put this? I don't, I'm grateful that like, I don't hate myself and he doesn't hate me for not knowing myself then. Right. But like, mm. if I ignored it and I ignored it and I ignored it and like this drag, this poor guy for like so long for an entire finally, marriage, we see it. Exactly. A lot exactly. We see it a lot. And I'm just, I'm glad that a, I like gave myself an opportunity to like just shift my life and have a much better life without wasting a lot of time and also not doing that to somebody else. I know that's really hard, but like just, fucking think about it and make those decisions because like it's not worth doing it to somebody else or you i think that that's a really healthy perspective because i was wondering when you first said that you had been married like and again could go back to the lyric in uh that no doubt song uh she says after she says how to get so faithful to my freedom a selfish kind of life i could imagine that when you decided to end your marriage like were you met with that criticism from people in your life? Like you're, you're being selfish. Um, I'm, I'm curious. Cause it sounds to me from what you're telling me that you've come to a really like beautiful, beautifully understanding place to know that like, in a sense it was selfless because you didn't want to bring your husband who you still deeply care about your, your ex-husband, um, through this life that he, you, he wouldn't have been fulfilled. You wouldn't have been fulfilled and wouldn't have worked. Right. But I'm curious if that, if that was always the understanding or if there was some like, am I being selfish or did the people in your life um, think that of you or sort of trying to make you feel wrong for, for being faithful to your freedom essentially? Yeah. I think I did a really like bad thing for myself, which was to like keep so much internalized. Like I didn't, I had like a stance where I just like would not talk shit about my relationship. I still kind of do that. Like, I don't really go around and be like, oh my God, we were like, she's so annoying. Like, I never really do that. I think it's rude. So like, well, I it's would, a bad vibe. Like, it no is one, a bad vibe. It's like, just break up. Don't do that to somebody. That's yeah. fucked up. Like you talk shit about your <laughs> ex with like your like ride or die best girlfriend. Totally. And like, that's like kind of the only, like nothing's worse than like being on a first date and you're like, oh, well my ex or yeah, you know, it's meet a new friend. And you're like, wow, I'm talking about my ex who apparently I hate more than anything. But I don't. <laughs> like, yeah. But even like during the relationship, like I wouldn't tell people, about like problems I was having and I definitely hid so much about myself as far as like 
my past being with a woman and all of that. So that when I did say we were getting divorced, people like two of my closest friends were both like one of them like said something like she thought that I was doing like what I do when I just get road rage and I yell and I get frustrated at something that I just like I'm just abandoning it and I was like how are you comparing divorce to like my road rage that's super understanding of her yeah and then another (laughs) one was like I just think you're making a decision like out of nowhere and I understand that because I didn't tell them anything and it was like so internal but you know I didn't share a lot of the struggles I was having with like depression or with, you know, just the internal relationship issues, because I was like, I need to respect my relationship, my relationship while I was in it. But then, you know, the people that were around me weren't able to support me. And frankly, I thought that was just shitty, to be honest with you. I mean, it's not just that, like, I didn't share with them enough. They shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but, right, you right. know, but yeah, I, I can understand why they did it. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no one really knows what your experience is. I mean, unless they're you, um, which is something that continues to humble me. I say that and maybe at the risk of sounding like some like shogi, I I don't remember that a lot of times. Like, Mm -hmm. I think judgment comes from that place. It's out of fear or a lack of understanding, but also is common. um, I think maybe this is a generalization and maybe I'll decide that I don't think it's true after it comes out of my mouth in about a half a second. But (laughs) I think that maybe there is a shared experience within our community of being met with judgment, being met with sort of feeling like we're being selfish or something. When we decide to be unapologetic and come out and say like, hey, this is who I am. This is who I want to be. This is how I feel comfortable in my skin. Um, Because people don't understand our actual experience. And I think a byproduct of that is exactly what you said, depression. Yo, we're depressed. We're (laughs) suicidal a lot of times. Um, Mm -hmm. We are, I mean, trans kids are homeless. Like how many homeless kids are like kicked out? How many kids are kicked out? Because they're homeless. Me too. The Queer Art of Failure by Jack Halverson. Um, It is basically all about how as queer people we're constantly like failing in the norms that society places on us as like um uh models of success like we don't you know we disappoint our family we disappoint like constantly failing but while living like our best lives it's very it's this like dichotomy yeah yeah. Did you put that there on purpose? Okay. Because people that no, are listening, just, just people my... that are listening, don't see, as I was talking about this, <laughs> Rosanna, like just turned around, like not even like looking and pulls the book off the bookshelf, like from behind her. And it's like, this brings me to my next point. The art Yeah, of I did it. I was trying to be, you know, I was trying to be cute about it. It was it's, smooth. It was it's smooth. a good, it's a good book for anyone that wants to learn more about, you know, themselves and their feelings yeah i have to check i am like for sure gonna go check that one out um yeah failure is important i think our mistakes are what help us to become more of ourselves more of our aware centered and understanding selves and it makes us better at the things that we weren't so good at because we failed and then learned how to do it Mm -hmm. better does that make sense yep yeah um and that could be being queer or being straight or 
Um, <laughs> the textbook's pretty much been written on that one since the beginning of time. I'm going to track that statement. Yeah, no. It's not hard to be straight because mm-hmm. we all know how to do it. It's literally spoon fed to us since we're, since, you know, yeah. the moment we're born. Sidebar, interesting story. I was thinking about that, how easy it is to be straight because uh, my wife and I took a road trip. Um, we went down south. Um, over the past week. And you know what? A lot of apprehension to go into a lot of places and see a lot of things. And I honestly felt unsafe. I look pretty gay. I look pretty queer. In the South, there's a lot more apprehension just to get out and go to a a bathroom to pee like in a gas station. And we were driving and I just turned to my wife and I was like, you know what? Like, it must be freaking nice to be a straight white dude. Like they never have any of these concerns, I'm sure. No, I think about Ever. that all the time. I think about that all the time. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's my pet peeve, really. You know, it's a thing. It's a thing. Anyway, we, we digress. I, so I'd love to hear about the rest of your, uh, so the, or some of the rest of these songs on here, because I thought like towards the end, the vibe, like at least a sonically of the totally. songs was like a bit more, what's a synonym for vibey? I feel like I say that too much. Um, it's a bit more like indie, sort of like just chill and feel. Yeah, um, I feel like that cool drum production on these songs. Yeah, you know, like it it turned. Oh, let me think. What what do I? What can I say about it? I think that as I allowed myself to get out of like my structured heteronormative married sales job vibe, once I got out of that, to use your word, I um just got right back into music, and and my taste definitely shifted, and I allowed myself to kind of be a little more dark and a little more creative and and let that come out and like how I was what I was making and what I was doing and what I was listening to a little Um, more Bjork exactly a little more Bjork man right back to that I had never heard this song turns 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 by magical clouds let uh, just let's touch on that I love that song and I've never heard of this band either they're where are they based out of I think that they like dissolved, but the the main like songwriter and singer has his own independent project now. But like those two records that they released are awesome. Listen yeah. to them. But Canadian, I went, they're Canadian. They're Canadian. Okay, love it. I went to my first. I went to a concert with my girlfriend now, but mm. then like in 2016 or something, like our first thing, like our first hangout. But like she didn't know if it was a date, and I didn't know if it was a date. Love those dates. Totally. To this day, she's like, the whole time I thought I was just like waiting for you to like lean on me because everyone was sitting on the floor. And uh-huh. um, it just, yeah, I didn't do that. I was way too scared. Um, <laughs> but she she got me into the band. And yeah, I just, I love that song now. I love that band. The title's fitting too. Turns, turns, turns. We're always turning. You know, we have to, we have to pivot. I think it's important. And then, so let's just talk about the last few Um J views and rye never heard uh rye is a artist that my sister loves that i only have listened to because she loves them so much but i never heard this other guy that played with him why is this one on your playlist this one is on my playlist because i think i don't know because i think that it resonates with my relationship now like we both constantly are like you know i always joke to my girlfriend don't old yeller me or don't like white fang me like don't pull away you know don't don't be like i'm fine i'm fine and like insist that you're fine and then push me away because you know we both have a bit of um i guess insecurity about being super 
vulnerable sometimes. Um, oh, so that's sure. what that's what Human. that means to me for sure. Cool. But the video was made. There's a really beautiful music video for that song that was made by um, a director who cast um, two trans women in it, and it's really beautiful. And that that was how I heard of the song, and then I just couldn't stop listening to it. That's rad. I never knew that. I'm gonna have to check it out. Uh, Don't pull away by J Views and Rye. Um, Okay, cool music video noted. (laughs) And then loved. We'll skip the second to last one, so everyone listening can just kind of keep a surprise in there. Um, Last song on the playlist, Drive by the Cars. Love that there was like a kind of a pretty more of a throwback on here. Mm -hmm. I love the song and forgot about it until I listened to it. It's it's the perfect song for that mood that it gives but what is the mood that it gives i think it's like wanting that's what i think it's like wanting and also i don't know like if you ever think like what would a situation be if you didn't have the person you're with now i always it's like that feeling is what that song gives i think about that all the time (laughs) why do we do this to ourselves what is it is that just like part of the human experience maybe yeah, who's going to tell you when it's too late? Who's going to tell you when things aren't so great? You can't go on thinking nothing's wrong. Oh, no. Who's going to drive you home tonight? Great song. Great mm. song. So simple. And just reading the lyric, it doesn't take that much to write a pop hit. No, it doesn't. It but doesn't. at the same time, I sometimes wonder, why can't I get so simple? <laughs> I know. Like, I, what seems easy is not. Is I it? know. It's so frustrating because then you hear something like a Bjork song and you're like, I need to be a genius. And then you hear like, that song and you're like i can write about my my shoe you know it doesn't matter but exactly and like they're probably still raking in the royalties from this oh yeah they are 40 years later or however whatever 30 years later Mm -hmm. oh man well hell yeah dude i i loved i love talking to you about this playlist i i loved chatting with you in general about music um what a joy what a joy this brings to my life (laughs) last question for the day Mm. before we end our chat i always ask if you could give your um not out baby queer self or just younger rosanna a Mm -hmm. piece of advice uh something to make you feel better what would it be and why i think i would just tell myself to not even bother with men and that it's okay like just date women like just do it you it's what you want to do with yourself don't worry you're gonna disappoint people regardless I, I think that's what I would tell my younger self. Hell yeah. Just go for it. Mm-hmm. Just drive. Just drive. Man. That was cheesy. <laughs> I, I threw in the- <laughs> God, it's so bad. Liv, why you got to do that? It's me. Uh, I put it in there. I like lobbed them, but you had to do it. It's- you lobbed it up. I just took a swing. I did. Yeah. I did. Hell yeah. Rosanna, thank you so much for being a guest on our fifth episode of My Gay Playlist. The honesty and vulnerability that you brought to our conversation speaks volumes, and I am so grateful for what you had to share. If you're listening and you want to check out Rosanna's work, you can follow her on Instagram or Twitter. Her handle is Rosanna Caban. You can also check out her website, rosannacaban.com. She'll be exhibiting her work in a Columbia MFA thesis exhibition, which will be accessible online, opening on April 28th through May 21st. It will be documented for online exhibition access, and you can find info on that at Sound Art at Columbia.
We'll be playing you out today with a track by me, Shamelessly. It's called Freedom Girl. I hope you enjoy it. This show was created by yours truly, Liv Lombardi, that's me, and Courtney Ortel, and co-produced by Virago Artist Management with additional support from Hannah Varnum. Music by yours truly once again, Liv Lombardi. As always, thank you for your ears and your hearts. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, write a review, and share with your friends. Until then, be kind to yourself and gentle. I hope you have a good week, and we'll see you next time. Oh